welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelive.com or send us a text message at 209-340-3115. Have an amazing rest of your day. Defend the end zone. Defend the end zone. Those were the words that my dad would tell me when I was playing football. College football, oh no. High school football, nope. Junior high, nuh-uh. Sixth grade flag football. Highly competitive. Jeremy, defend the end zone. 95% of my competitive nature that I have is from my dad. So dad, if you're watching online, thanks a lot. Uh, but I remember my dad was all about defending the end zone. If you don't, can't reach one flag, pull both of the flags. And I remember the night before the championship game, my dad again told me, defend the end zone. In fact, Jeremy, if you can't pull their flag, just tackle them. <laughs> because you have to defend the end zone. And so being the obedient child that I am, the next day, championship game, my friend on the other team, uh, Brandon Ellis is running up the sideline. I knew I didn't have a chance to pull a flag. At least I had that made up in my mind. And so what do I do? I tackle him. I take him out because there's one thing that was important uh, to defend the end zone. In fact, I still give my dad a hard time. Hey, dad, remember that one time you told me to tackle a kid when I was in the sixth grade if I had to? Why do I share that story? Because Paul's going to talk about one thing that's worth defending, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles. Meet me in Galatians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hands. One of our ushers will get one to you in just a moment. Uh, also grab your message notes out. Great way to track with us today. I want to give a shout out to those joining us online. So glad that you are tuning in with us today. I'm going to totally confuse the ushers right now. How many of you are Giants or Dodgers fans? Raise your hands up. Come on. All right. I want to hear from the Giants fans. Any Giants fans in the house? All right. That's good. Dodger fans, are you here? Okay. Good. How many of you just don't care? Raise your hand. Good. Okay. You're all Dodger fans right now. All right. All of you, you've just been converted to a, a Dodger fan. Just want to make that clear. It's fun to have a little bit of fun in church. Uh, last night, my boys beat the, the people in Orange, uh, which was great. But game three is tomorrow night, so uh, it's on like Donkey Kong, if you know what I'm saying, all right? But we're in this series titled Live Free. And I love this because Paul's writing to the churches in Galatia because something's happening. You've got this group of Jews that are coming in and they're, they're trying to distort the gospel. They're trying to add to the gospel. And Paul wants to be crystal clear that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. In fact, let's put that up on the screen. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's it. And you've got these these Jews that are adding, oh, no, you've got to obey the law. You've got to live out the law. And Paul's like, no, because of Jesus Christ, it's not due, it's already done. Because here's the reality. Jesus plus anything will get you nothing when it comes to salvation. And yet at the same time, Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus is all we need. 
Why? Because Jesus is God in the flesh, the Son of God that came to live a perfect life, a sinless life, would go to the cross in our place for our sin. He would take our sin upon himself, bear the wrath of God, give us his righteousness. He died three days later, conquered the grave, proving victory over sin, over death, giving us a promise with God in heaven for the future for those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Paul wants his listeners, this church, to be crystal clear that the gospel, the good news, salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone, not Jesus plus the law. And so what we're talking about today is is how do we experience gospel transformation? How does the good news of Jesus Christ grab a hold of our hearts and change us from the inside out? Now, Paul's already talked about this gospel in these first 10 verses, that it's a divine gospel, and he's going to hit that again. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. Paul writes, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Heavenly Father, God, would your word penetrate our hearts today? God, in a world that is constantly changing, in this moment we turn to a God in a scripture who never changes. And so God, for for those that need hope today, would you give us hope? For those that need comfort, would you comfort us? For those of us that need just some solid truth today, would you give us that? God, I pray for your help, that you would take over my mouth, my mind, my heart, that you would communicate with great clarity and passion. God, we give you this time. Thank you so much for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Gospel transformation is what we're talking about today. And anytime the gospel changes us and and frees us from something, it, it frees us for something else. And what we're gonna be looking at today is, is what the gospel frees us from, but not only that, what it frees us for. So if you're taking notes, how does the, the gospel change us? I believe it frees us from three different things. Number one is simply this. The gospel frees us from our past. Now, now this is massive. The, the gospel frees us from our past because we will fall into one of two categories in our life when it comes to our past. We will either live a life filled with guilt or a life filled with grace. I'm gonna say that one more time. Our past will either be one where we are filled with guilt or we are filled with grace. How does it become grace? Well, it's the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. 
Now, Paul wants us to understand, again, that this, this gospel is, is not his own gospel. He says in verse 11 and 12, he says, I, I didn't get this from some other person. I, I got it from God. Because I, I wasn't taught from somebody else. I, I was taught from God. He wants us to be completely confident that this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, is something we can bank our lives on. You know why so many people go to In-N-Out Burger? Because they know they're gonna get the same thing every time. You know why people go to Chick-fil-A? Because it's oh so good and people are gonna get the same thing every time. The same with Jesus Christ. He wants us to have so much confidence that we keep going back to him knowing we are gonna get the same thing every time. When you have that confidence in Christ. But a couple things that we see in the life of Paul is first of all, he persecuted the church. Like, if you talk about somebody that did some wicked stuff that gives all of us hope, it's Paul. What did he do? He murdered Christians. If you want to become a missionary or go into full-time ministry, that does not look good on your resume, folks. He killed Christians. In Acts chapter 8, it says that he went into their homes, he, he drug them out of their homes, and he put them into prison. It says that he tried to destroy the church violently. I mean, look at your past. It doesn't compare to Paul's. He gives all of us hope. But not only that, Paul was somebody that was extremely religious. He actually thought that he could live a life where he would earn God's favor. Now, what happens when we do that? We don't see our, our own sin. We don't see our, our, our need for a savior. And I think for all of us, we can often come into one of those two areas where we have so much evil and wickedness or we're so religious that we don't see our need for a savior because we've checked off all the boxes. We've gone to church and we've sung the hymns and we've read the Bible and we've served in a church. In some way, we've bought into this mindset that what I'm doing is enough. And Paul wants us to understand it's not what you're doing, it's what Jesus Christ has done. It's finished. And so the gospel frees us from our past. Here's what that means for every single one of us. Paul gives us hope. You may think that, man, Jeremy, you don't know where I've been, what I've done, the things I've been addicted to, the people I've hurt physically, mentally, emotionally, And yet I read the scriptures. What does Paul say in verse 15? It says, but when he, I love that. That's his but God moment. His life was headed in one direction, but God rescued him. And what does that mean? That means that you don't need to leave here the same way you came today. Because not only does the gospel free us from our past, the gospel gives us a future. The gospel gives us a brand new future. That means that your, your life can be marked by sin, but the future is going to be marked by your Savior. It can be marked with selfishness, but it's going to be marked in the future with selflessness. You don't need to leave here the same way you came. Why? Because the gospel transforms us from the inside out. There's nothing that we could do to earn our salvation, there's nothing that we could do to appease God. God's done all the work. And here's the beauty of this, is that because of that, we don't have to worry about losing our salvation because we did nothing to earn it in the first place. The gift. Not deserved. 
not earned. With a humble heart, it can only be received. Gospel changes us. The first way is transforms and changes our past and it gives us a brand new future. Second of all, if you're taking notes, the gospel frees us from ourselves. I love this. The gospel frees us from, from ourselves. We live in a culture that is filled with self. It's whatever you think, whatever you want, whatever you believe, whatever you think is true, as long as you're happy. And yet that was the religious leaders back in the day of Jesus. They bought into this whole mindset of religion. And when you think about it, religion is all based upon not God but self. It's how we feel based upon what we do and what we know. Which is why so many of us, if we're not careful, we can buy into the trap as long as I'm reading my Bible and as long as I'm praying and as long as I'm doing all this stuff, it's based upon what I know, how I feel, and in some way that gives me some kind of security. Our security is not based upon how much Bible we read, how much we know, how much we give, how much we go to church. Our security is in the shed blood and the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus got on the religious leaders in the book of Matthew. Why? Because they bought into religion, which acted like it was about God, but really it was about them. What did they do? They fasted and they, you know, they, that was really weird. I didn't do that in any of the other services, okay? I'm not just sure what happened there, all right? <laughs> I'll try not to do that again. Uh, but they were, whatever. Um, but they were making these faces so everybody knew that they were fasting. In other words, it wasn't about God, it was about them. When they're feeding and giving money to the poor, Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Why? Because they were doing it for recognition. When they were praying, Jesus is like, don't go on the street corners. Don't think you're going to be heard by your many words. Why? Because it wasn't about God. It was about them. And if we're not careful, we buy into this false sense of religion that's really more about us than it is God. How we feel, how we look, because in some way we think that's gonna give us some kind of false sense of security when it comes with God. Frees us from ourself. What it says in Galatians chapter one, starting in verse 18, Paul says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. Who's Cephas? It's Peter. And remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Paul's saying, you can trust me. Like I've got a gospel from Jesus Christ. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown to the person, in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. And then verse 23, it says, they were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Isn't that awesome? And they glorified God because of me. I mean, here's Paul. He, he has this experience on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9. Jesus cries out to him, Paul, Paul, why, why are you persecuting me? Back then his name was Saul. His, literally, his name is changed to Paul. And, and Paul's blinded. And eventually God appears to Ananias and says, hey, I want you to restore uh, Paul's sight. He's like, uh, God, do you know who this is? This is the guy that used to uh, murder Christians, persecute Christians. God says, Ananias, this is gonna be my chosen instrument. 
to reach the Gentiles. He restores his sight. He doesn't talk to anybody else. What does he do? He goes off and he starts preaching the gospel. It's impossible that he could have heard this from somebody else. Paul's life has changed. Why? Because what used to be a life all about himself is now a life that's all about Jesus. And this is the hope. It doesn't only free us from ourselves. The gospel gives us a purpose. Don't miss this. The gospel gives every single one of us a purpose. God says to Paul, Paul, I'm going to use you in a way you never imagined. Yes, you've got all the training as a Jew. You know it all. Probably got the the Old Testament almost memorized. But I'm going to send you to a people group that you don't really know that well, the Gentiles. And I believe God does that for a couple reasons. So that we depend on him and God gets all the glory. Here's what that means. When God frees us from ourselves, the why for our purpose changes. The why for our living changes. Because if we're not careful, we can live a life that's all about ourselves. Paul's why changed. It used to be about himself because it was about religion. Now it's all about Jesus because it's a relationship. Don't miss that. That means if you are a business person your why maybe used to be all about making money now your why is about making money so that you can spread the gospel of jesus christ if you were a teacher it used to to be about teaching kids now it's about sharing the gospel in the classroom without getting fired for jesus christ right did you like that little dance move right there that was kind of weird at 10 o'clock service i have no idea what's happening right now all right your your purpose changes um, some, some of you know a little bit of my story. I grew up as a PK, a preacher's kid. Uh, was raised in the church, raised in a Christian family. I told God, hey God, there's, there's one thing I'll never do. I'll never be a pastor. Worked out real well for me, didn't it? Love telling God what, what I'm not gonna do. Love being in control. Um, and so I majored in business management in school because I just wanted to make a bunch of money. It's what I wanted to do. And I started taking some computer classes and I realized there's no way I can pass these computer programming classes. I went to my teacher, got a bunch of help, felt pretty good about it, got my grade back on a test, zero out of 15. It's a great confidence booster, let me tell you, all right? But, but God started just getting a hold of my heart. And I was realizing that, that really what I understood Christianity to be was, was more about religion than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he began changing the why of my life. It's no longer about what I wanted to do. It was about what, what God wanted me to do. He began to just start working on my heart and just giving me this, this desire to be involved in ministry. Started experiencing a ministry at a church up in Sacramento, high school ministry, fell in love with it. And I felt, man, if I don't pursue ministry with all my heart, I'm gonna re- live with regret for the rest of my life. Why? Because God got a hold of my heart. No longer, life wasn't about what I wanted, what I thought, what I needed to pursue. It was all about Jesus Christ. What, what do you want for my life? Because the why changed. That was the apostle Paul. Instead of being somebody that was extremely religious, where it was all about him, Jesus Christ got a hold of his life, and the why changed. The question is, has Jesus Christ truly gotten a hold of your life? 
where your life is no longer about what you want, what you think, what you desire, but it's about what Jesus Christ wants because the gospel has the power to transform us from the inside out. The gospel frees us from our past and gives us a brand new future. The gospel frees us from ourselves and gives us a brand new purpose. Maybe the greatest problem with ourselves is the the sin of pride. You ever think about that? Pride says what? God, I don't need you. Hanging out with a friend recently that said, Jeremy, you know what the opposite of pride is? Like, yeah, humility. He said, no, it's gratitude. See, when you understand the gratitude because of the grace of God, which you cannot earn, what happens? You'll become humble. When you become humble, you will submit and surrender your life to the authority of Jesus Christ. Not because you have to, but because you want to, because of the person that died for you. It's a, it's a love relationship, which brings us to the third point. If you're taking notes, the gospel frees us from empty religion. The gospel frees us from empty religion. Now, in chapter two, Paul's gonna, Paul's gonna demonstrate this. And, and this is what it says. It says in verse one, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. I love this. Why is Paul going up to Jerusalem? Because he is led by Jesus to go there. It says, taking Titus along with me, I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. In other words, Paul wants to make sure that, that he's, he's proclaiming the gospel and communicating the gospel where people understand the divine gospel, that people aren't buying into this false gospel. He goes on and says this, But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of the false brothers secretly secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that may bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Here, let me unpack this just for a moment. Paul's saying there's, there's a certain number of Jews that were saying the gospel isn't just Jesus Christ alone, it's Jesus plus the law. And there, there were certain laws that, that they wanted people to live out. It was, it was the law of circumcision, the law of the Sabbath, and the law of like dietary expectations. And so what does he do? He takes Titus with him. Titus is a Greek who is uncircumcised. He's not paying attention to the law. He probably has like a pork sandwich with extra bacon on top as well, right? Just to keep it real. He's like, I'm not gonna pay attention to the dietary laws. I'm not not paying attention definitely to circumcision. What's gonna happen? The Jewish believers accept him the way he is, communicating it's Jesus Christ alone and not Jesus plus the law. Now, Now this is massive because it gives us freedom. Freedom from from empty religion. You know, religion is so empty because it it never fills you. 
613 different laws, and as Christians, we can try to keep living out the law and living out the law and living out the law. What do we do? We're exhausted, we're tired, and we're still empty. It's kind of like Chinese food, right? No, seriously, you can eat a ton of Chinese food and fill your belly, and an hour later, you're still hungry. I'm speaking from personal experience, folks. It's empty. So what is the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is is a diagnostic of sin. In fact, I love the way Paul says it in Romans chapter three. He says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. What is the purpose of the law? It's a diagnostic. It reveals our sin. It reveals the fact that, boy, if those are the expectations, I can't do that. I need a savior. Let me illustrate it this way. It was about a year ago. My daughter, Hallie, was playing on a swing, and she jumped off real high, and she fell down on her arm, and it looked all bent and weird, and took her to the emergency room at Kaiser, and it's, it's hanging in a sling, and it looked like a question mark, right, her arm. And she's like, Dad, do you think it's broken? And the only thing I could think of is, sweetie, it's questionable, because it looked like a question mark, right? <laughs> only thing I could think of, I'm like, hang in there, you're gonna be all right. And so she goes and she gets an x-ray on it, and the, the doctors come back, and it was, it was broken badly in, in two places. And I think about that, what does the x-ray do? It's a diagnostic. It communicates and reveals the brokenness of the arm. It does not fix the arm at all. What does the law do? The law is a diagnostic for our own lives. It represents the brokenness of sin in our own lives, but it will not cure us. That is only the power of Jesus Christ. Because if we're not careful, we can keep trying, but boy, I, I gotta check off the box of reading the Bible. I've gotta... And those things are great, to read your Bible, to pray, to attend church, but when we think we can begin to earn God's favor because of that, there's a problem. Now, if it's a struggle for you and you recognize the struggle, be encouraged. God, this is what I'm struggling with. I don't want my heart to be reliant on that. But if you don't recognize the struggle, maybe there's more self-righteousness in you than you realize because often self-righteous people don't recognize their own self-righteousness. But what does the gospel do? It frees us from empty religion, but this is what it frees us for. The gospel gives us a relationship. The gospel gives us a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul had a changed life from empty religion to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Next couple of verses, who does he hang out with? He hangs out with Peter, James, and John. And they, they agree that they have the same gospel. They just have different callings. Paul to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews. But it's the same exact gospel. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Church, nothing else will save you. Nothing else will save you. Here's the good news about today. You don't need to leave the same way you came. Why? Because the gospel has the power to transform your life. The gospel frees you from your past and gives you a brand new future. 
The gospel frees you from yourself and gives you a brand new purpose. And the gospel frees you from empty religion and gives you a relationship with Jesus Christ who alone saves you. Now, I don't know where you're at today, but my greatest prayer is that you would know the gospel of the Bible, that salvation is found in no other thing, no other name, than the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not a life of doing, it's a life where it's already done. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for my friends that are here today. And we thank you so much for the clarity of your scripture. And God, there's some of us that, that are here today or watching online that maybe we've been to church for 50 years. Maybe this is our first time here, but the reality is, is we've never put our faith in Jesus Christ alone. We've thought that we could earn our way there. We've bought into this mindset that God will accept us just for trying. If that's your case, my prayer for you is that you would humble yourself and receive the greatest gift that's on the table today. And that's the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's a gift, but it must be received. And it's received through a heart that prays something like this, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life and rescue me from my sin and change me from the inside out. The best way that I know how, I repent from my sin and I surrender my entire life to you in your hands and I ask that you would make me into the person you want me to be. With all heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's your prayer today, would you just raise your hand and look at me wherever you're at? You say, that, that's me. For the first time, I wanna surrender my life to Christ. Good, I see that hand, that hand, that hand. Is there anyone else? That hand over here. Is there anyone else? It's the greatest prayer you could ever make. Good, over here, over there, over here. Online, raise your hand where you're at. God sees that hand, and that's the most important thing. Is there anybody else? It's the greatest decision you could ever make to put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Just raise your hand and look at me if you haven't done that yet. That's your prayer. Good, awesome. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And we thank you for the reality that the transforming power of the gospel is still relevant today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, we had several people raise their hands. Can we just appreciate those that gave their life to Jesus Christ? Now, this is such a big deal when you give your life to Jesus Christ. It's not like a thought, a decision. You keep living your life the way you always have. That's a, I'm all in. Because God, God's all about all in or nothing. So if you can fill out maybe the little response card from the seat back in front of you, give it to one of our team members in the ministry mall. We want to encourage you and help you in your next steps in your journey with Jesus. If you're watching online, uh, message us, let us know. We want to help you in those next steps in your journey with Jesus. Now, a couple things before you leave. There's boxes for us to be generous on the way out so that the ministry here can keep moving forward. There are opportunities to uh, get fingerprinted if you want to help out uh, with October Bless. And lastly, go Dodgers. Have a great weekend, you guys.